1: The alarming impact of COVID variants.
2: This is a very, very big concern right now. We need to deal with it.
1: The heightened risk of severe illness and a startling spike in infections in BC. Quarantine cut in half for hockey players.
3: If those accommodations
4: are being made for hockey players, why are they not being made for Canadian families as well?
1: Reaction to reports NHLers are getting a break on the 14-day isolation rule and struck by a car and left lying in the streets.
4: We have a young adult uh, in hospital fighting for his life.
1: The confrontation just moments before involving three different vehicles.
5: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6
1: good evening thanks for joining us we'll have those stories for you in a moment but we begin tonight with breaking news of explosions and a fire in the tenth city in Vancouver's strathcona park let's get right to our paul johnson who is live near the park tonight paul the video is shocking the day really has been shocking there and sadly this is just one of a number of serious incidents over the past 24 hours
6: Sophie, what an afternoon it's been here at Strathcona Park and the encampment here. So this was around 4 o'clock. We had a fire in one of the tents. At the edge of the park, police at the scene tell us they suspect it was an arson, um, likely one of two suspicious fires that have happened here just in the past 24 hours. No one was hurt, but firefighters had to come and put it out. It caught some trees on fire, and witnesses told us there were a number of explosions that sounded to them like propane tanks going off. Now, while that was happening, an ambulance came to the other end of the camp. Police say that was to treat a person who'd been seriously mauled by a dog in the camp. And it gets worse. Vancouver police confirm there was another overdose death in the park last night, a 22-year-old woman. And of course, the backdrop to all of this is that this camp is officially in its last few weeks. Vancouver Park Board confirmed with us today that they're sticking to their plan of clearing this camp by the end of next month. Here's Vancouver City Councillor Pete Fry. So I think when we look back on this, I think we'll probably see, I'm hoping, a turning point that recognizes that by providing folks with secure, dignified, stable housing, we're saving ourselves a lot of money in the long run. Because otherwise, the cost, like as we see at Oppenheimer Park, half a million dollars in remediation, the park's still not open, we're probably looking at twice that for Strathcona Park
7: don't want to have to be swinging the satchels to ask you to leave again. Right. We're in a public place. This is a very long stick. It's going to be very awkward. to swing it.
6: So this strange encounter that you're looking at is what happened to my cameraman and I when we were at the park earlier today. We'd come here to document what was going on in the park as they get ready for the decampment and this is something that's been going on here since this camp started up last spring. It's gotten worse. Since then, and basically, there is a very militant faction of people in this camp who essentially believe the camp isn't a public park anymore. Strathcona Park doesn't belong to the people that they can control, whether the police can come into the park whether the media can come into the park and whether others can come in, whether they're doing their job or just wanting to enjoy the park. This has been a huge strain with the greater Strathcona community. Many of the people around here who otherwise are very sympathetic to issues of homelessness and addiction, but feel like this has gone too far. Sophie? Mm -hmm. And still a
1: few weeks left if that uh, end of April deadline is met at all. We'll see what happens over the next few weeks. Paul, thanks for that. All right, now to COVID 19 in our province, and the cases continue to climb. If you thought yesterday's daily count of 800 was high, well, today we've eclipsed that. There are 908 new cases. That is the highest one day count since late November, and it brings BC's total to 95,677. 6,245 of those cases are active, and sadly, three more people have died. Yesterday, more than 27,000 doses of vaccine were administered. Now, the rising numbers aren't just a concern here in B.C. A new analysis of the COVID-19 case data out of Ontario provides a stark warning about the severity of cases involving the variants. As Richard Zussman reports, those frightening new numbers come at the same time that B.C. is starting to relax some restrictions.
0: And This is the virus spike protein here.
4: The cases have been rising for weeks and alarm bells now ringing over the impact COVID-19 variants could have in Canada. We have two pandemics. We have the pandemic with the, or- with the early variants completely under control, contained, and the pandemic with the new variants absolutely out of control. And that's what we need to address now. The warning to health officials in Ontario. COVID-19 variants in that province are causing a 60% increase in risk of death, a 60% increase in hospitalizations, and a 100% increased risk of being admitted to the ICU. We can't repeat the mistakes we made during uh, the December break. If we repeat these mistakes now with an enemy that is much more powerful than the previous one, this will backfire big time. And it really honestly scares me. And although the province hasn't seen a surge around hospitalizations linked to the variant, they have seen an increase in terms of those going to intensive care. We
7: have, however, seen a a slightly higher risk if you are hospitalized with a variant of concern, that about 30% of people required a admission to ICU or critical care.
4: Focusing on British Columbia, those small numbers are growing. Look back four weeks to March 5th, and there were five active variant cases in the province. A week later, 99 active cases. Last week, 149. And on Friday, 258 active cases of COVID variants. Unfortunately, we're now realizing that the variants that are among us are producing not only more frequent transmission, but more severe disease. And starting next week, expanded long-term care visits are starting. Plus this weekend, indoor religious gatherings opening up on a trial basis
7: with reduced capacity it's not about easing restrictions as much as recognizing that at this phase in the pandemic we need to focus on those things that we can do safely
2: ironically i think easing the right restrictions will allow people to do more of the things that we know are safe and may
4: make them follow the rules a bit better a clear warning don't follow the rules and the race between vaccine and variants will also include ambulances racing to the hospital with COVID-19 patients. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: And Keith Baldry joins us with more on the variants. Keith, you've taken a closer look at what is Mm -hmm. happening here with the two that we're seeing most frequently in B.C. Break it down for us.
5: Yeah, certainly. We're going to be doing this a lot in the days and weeks ahead. So, as these viruses continue to move with great numbers, we've got three active in BC. The South African and the one B one three five one really isn't growing much. It's at forty seven, and it really hasn't moved much at all. Not uh, the same for the other two. Take a look at the B117. That's the UK variant. That's really growing fast. That's a steep curve. We're now at 1,666 cases have been detected. They're not all active, but 222 of those are active, and they're more transmis- transmissible and they're more infectious. That's why it's a concern. The other one that's deeply concerning is not as many cases associated with this one. But this is the Brazilian uh, variant, the B, uh, the P1 variant. This, the growth there, the steepness of that growth, is much sharper. Uh, and steeper than the UKK. We've gone from 69 just a short time ago to 199 cases being detected, and of those 36 are considered active. And be, the, why the Brazilian one is potentially more concerning, Sophie. Uh, anybody cons- uh, looking at what's going on in Brazil can it tells the story. Uh, the death rate there is phenomenal, and it's very worrying that the Brazilian uh, variant could be associated with that. A couple other little things about this: the median age of people who have the UK variant 30. Uh, 30 uh, uh, 34 for the Brazil much younger crowd 27 is the median age there and the Brazilian is much more prevalent in Vancouver coastal than in Fraser the opposite of the case with the UK it's much more prevalent in Fraser we're going to be tracking this again uh, for a long time
1: yeah reason to continue to obey those restrictions all yeah. right Thanks for that, Keith. Keith Baldry and Victoria. Well, just days after declaring an outbreak over at a Fraser Valley hospital, there have been more cases detected. Four patients at Chilliwack General Hospital have tested positive for COVID-19. Fraser Health says it's within a medicine unit, and to prevent further transmission, it's temporarily closed to admissions. The ER remains open, and there's no impact to other areas of the hospital. And Abbotsford Regional Hospital is now dealing with an outbreak. Four... Four patients have tested positive there. Fraser Health is reminding anyone with symptoms to get tested right away. Well, earlier this week, the province announced that it is more than doubling the fines for people who violate health orders. But it turns out only about one in 10 of the alleged rule breakers have actually paid the tickets that have already been issued. As of March 20th, nearly 1,100 violations have been issued, totaling a whopping $748,000 in fines. But according to YCBC, only 11% of violators have stepped up to settle the score. 411 rule breakers Have outstanding fines, and nearly the same number of tickets are being disputed. 60 tickets have been canceled. A convicted murderer and rapist who escaped from a BC prison has been caught. 42 year old Roderick Muchikawana escaped from the Mission Institution in October. It's believed someone then gave him a ride to Washington State, where he then boarded a bus. The U.S. Marshal Service says it received multiple tips that he was in San Diego, and their investigation led them to a hospital where he was arrested without incident today. He remains in jail pending extradition to Canada. Muchkikawanup was serving a life sentence for the 1998 sexual assault and murder of a 36-year-old mother in Winnipeg. Two people accused of killing a single mother in New Westminster made their first court appearance this morning. Investigators believe 49-year-old Ma Cecilia Loretta was killed in her New Westminster home on the evening of March 17th. Her burned body was found the next morning near a playground in Burnaby. 21-year-old Carlo Tobias and a 15-year-old youth whom we can't identify appeared via video link. They're both facing charges of first-degree murder and indignity to human remains. The victim's friends and family were not in attendance today, but many laid flowers yesterday where her remains were found. She's being remembered as a dedicated mother and hard worker and a beautiful person.
8: Well, I'm certainly not going to comment on the significance, if any, of the age of the accused. It's very important that the public understand that in the normal course, at the beginning of a criminal prosecution, um, there is very often publication bans over certain hearings. They are not designed to prevent the public from uh, learning what's going on, Uh, not at all. Um, They are designed to protect ultimately what will be a jury trial.
1: The B.C. Prosecution Service has confirmed to Global News that Carlo Tobias is also facing a charge of sexual interference with a minor alleged to have been committed between November 1st and November 30th of last year. A 19-year-old man is in hospital with life-threatening injuries tonight after a hit and run overnight in Burnaby. As Nadia Stewart reports, there was a heated confrontation involving the victim just before the incident.
3: According to neighbors, it was a bizarre scene that unfolded just after midnight Friday. The first thing they heard was the commotion. All of a sudden, I
2: heard a whole bunch of, you know, panicked, panicked people running around. Behind this car is one person uh, standing there and they were, you know, he no clothes on. And the, two, the two, two other kids were kids or men, whatever they are. They were fanning, fanning him.
3: Ambulance, firefighters, and police all responded to the call for help on McPherson Avenue at Marine Drive in Burnaby. For much of Friday morning, investigators remained on scene, piecing together what happened. They believe it all started with a confrontation between the occupants of three vehicles.
4: Sometime during this confrontation, pepper spray was deployed, and this 19-year-old man, uh, our victim, ex- exited a vehicle. During this confrontation, the a second vehicle, our suspect vehicle, struck, struck our 19-year-old male with significant force and causing significant injuries.
3: Police say the 19-year-old is in hospital with life-threatening injuries. At least one of the teens connected to this incident returned to the scene on Friday.
2: I don't want to talk about it, to be honest.
3: But he wasn't saying much. Police say some of those involved knew each other, and most, but not all, are cooperating with investigators.
4: Some individuals are not cooperating to the extent that we would hope that they would. And uh, we're encouraging them to because of just the severity of this situation. We have a young adult uh, in hospital fighting for his life.
3: Police do not believe those involved lived in the area. Neighbors say the same. Beyond the pepper spray, it's not clear if there were other weapons involved, though items, including golf clubs, were collected from the scene as investigators try to piece together a motive. Nadia Stork, Global News.
1: Well, for the past year, anyone entering Canada has been required to quarantine for 14 days or face big fines, potentially even jail time. But now there are reports the NHL is getting an exemption, how hockey players could see their isolation period cut in half just ahead, plus the growing support for a so-called vaccine passport, and not just for international travel. That's next on the Hour.
0: A team effort and uh, a remarkable uh, incident in my life.
1: A hero saves a life in North Vancouver. How he was in the right place at the right time with just the right training for this moment later. Plus, people across the Pacific Northwest treated to a startling sight. What were those bright lights streaking across the night sky? That's later on the Hour. Right now, though, a new survey has found that a majority of British Columbians support a proof of vaccination certificate or a vaccine passport in order for people to take part in a number of activities when life gets back to normal. As Linda Aylesworth reports, support is particularly strong when it comes to travel, both outside and inside the province.
9: Talk about issuing COVID 19 vaccination certificates to those who have received the vaccine is growing. And so, Research Co. out of Vancouver recently polled British Columbians on the subject.
2: Do you think it is a good or bad idea to rely on these passports?
9: for certain things. And the level of support is highest for travel to other countries. In fact, 73% of British Columbians polled thought proof of vaccination was a good idea for international travel.
2: The idea of somebody who hasn't been vaccinated going to a country and bringing back the virus, even if they quarantine or everything, is not something that is palatable for many Canadians.
9: Where travel within Canada is concerned, 64% are in favour of proof of vaccination. As for travel within the province, 60% are in favour. International certificates of vaccination are hardly new. But since the pandemic, they've become a bit controversial. Perhaps the fact that so many are calling them vaccine passports isn't helping. I think this passport notion has been is sending us down a bad path. I think it's a hype And it implies a freedom of movement. A passport implies a freedom of movement. Freedom of movement as in travel, but also freedom to attend live events or go to the gym. What do British Columbians think about requiring proof of vaccination before engaging in those things? It's
2: 62% for anything that is related to Sharing a room with other people, thinking about a
9: situation such as a live concert or a sporting event, you're going to be surrounded by people. As for needing a certificate to go back to the office or to a movie theater, over 50% were in favor. Of course, implementing potential regulations involving proof of vaccination would be complicated. In this, we can all help. What we want is we want to encourage the public to trust our public health officials, trust the science, and get vaccinated. And so that the story of passporting uh, becomes becomes moot. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
1: The NHL and federal government are facing backlash following media reports that players arriving in Canada have to undergo a shorter quarantine period than everyone else. An exemption just ahead of the league's looming trade deadline would see players arriving in Canada facing a seven-day quarantine as opposed to the 14 days required for anyone else coming to the country. Faces of Advocacy, an organization rallying to reunite families at the Canadian border, is now calling on the federal government to reduce the mandatory quarantine period to seven days for everyone.
4: The reason we call it a slap shot to the face is because accommodations are being made for professional athletes who have a lot more resources than the average Canadian family. When people are suffering, if they're in a binational family, they are unable to reunite, they're unable to be with their loved ones. And if they are, it's at the cost of a $2,000 quarantine hotel and multiple tests.
3: As much as I love sports, I just don't think it's all that essential. So the fact that hockey players or other professional athletes get professional uh, treatment, I'm just not a hundred percent sure.
4: Um,
0: it's fair. I think if someone's going to be quarantined, then every, everyone should have to do it. If someone else, you know, if someone doesn't have to do it, then the other person shouldn't have to do it either. I yeah, feel uh, like
7: sports shouldn't lessen your time for quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, just because you play hockey, you should still quarantine for the two weeks that everyone
1: else has to. Yeah. A large part of the rationale for the reduced quarantine time is that NHL players already undergo frequent rapid testing and have been living under strict COVID protocols since before the start of training camp. Just ahead, precious items destroyed by fire.
10: It's just a shame, it's just a loss.
1: How a senseless act wiped out a lifetime of memories for a former firefighter. Traffic is still busy here southbound on Highway 1 towards the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge out of North Vancouver, backed up solid from Lonsdale. There was a stall, but that's been cleared away. Kermac Collision and Auto Glass provides no-cost windshield chip repairs with your insurance coverage, and Kermak donates 100% of their income from chip repairs through Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge. Richmond RCMP are asking for the public's help to identify the suspects in a terrifying home invasion, which appears to have targeted the wrong people. It happened at about 9.30 on Tuesday evening. A couple were inside their home in the 22,000 block of Westminster Highway, watching television when the doorbell rang. When they answered, four men barged inside, armed with a crowbar and possibly a gun. They restrained the victims and ransacked the home, taking several items with them. Investigators say they think the home invaders had a specific target, but they got the wrong location.
9: This was an absolutely frightening incident for this couple. They were sitting at home having a nice quiet evening and suddenly, these four suspects barged their way in. Based on our initial investigation, it appears that this was not a random act. However, it appears the suspects targeted the wrong residents that evening.
1: If you saw anything suspicious in the area, or if you have dash cam footage that might help in the investigation, you were asked to call Richmond RCMP or Crime Stoppers. A Langley man is being called a hero by North Vancouver District firefighters for saving a man from drowning near Twin Falls and Lynn Canyon today. Firefighters say a man in his 60s went into cardiac arrest while out for a walk with his family. When he slipped, hit his head and fell into the icy water, the man stopped breathing when a bystander with military experience jumped into action.
0: He was face down and... When we pulled him out, I uh, realized he wasn't breathing. So in a very awkward position, I uh, had to <clears throat> put his back up against a rock
2: and started doing the CPR. They were out enjoying the, uh, the canyon and the great outdoors of North Vancouver and had a, some type of a medical event, uh, slipped, hit their head, fell into the water and actually went
0: underwater and were in the process of drowning until they were rescued by this civilian, a uh, good Samaritan.
1: Five other bystanders also stopped to assist in the rescue. A team of first responders then removed the patient from the area in a complicated extrication to the top of the canyon. The man was transported to hospital and is now receiving treatment. A veteran firefighter was able to jump into action and save his family after fire broke out on his property on Vancouver Island. Although he's grateful no one was hurt, the suspicious fire destroyed some priceless belongings. As Kylie Stanton reports, he's now speaking out about the senseless act.
10: It's just a shame. It's just a loss. That's all it is.
1: Brian Mowat has
11: seen his fair share of devastating fires.
10: I'm retired two years ago from the city of Nanaimo Fire Rescue.
11: But in his 30-year career, nothing has ever hit
10: this close to home. I'm just at a loss for words.
11: In the early hours Tuesday morning, Mowat's daughter was woken up by the sound of a loud bang. She looked outside and saw the massive blaze.
10: She came run right upstairs and said, Dad, 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 your shop's on fire.
11: Strictly on instinct, Mowat jumped into action, but was only able to move his daughter's car and pull his boat to safety. Everything else... It's all lost. Aside from a lifetime of collectibles, including antique fire extinguishers and hot rod paraphernalia, losing this car has been the most difficult to accept. The 71 Chevelle 300 Deluxe is just one of 444 in the world. An homage to his good friend, who recently lost his battle with cancer.
10: His dream car was a 72 Chevelle ragtop. We found one. He got to drive it once. I wanted to have a car like his. I couldn't afford the convertible, but I bought a, a coupe.
11: The time and money spent restoring the vehicle, now all for nothing. Mowat is still trying to wrap his head around the senseless act.
10: This is what the world's coming to. I don't know how you can justify what he's done.
11: The alleged arsonist was arrested, but has since been released on a promise to appear in court. Charges have not been laid, and he is said to have significant mental health issues. In the meantime, the community is rallying to support Mowat with a GoFundMe campaign. Brian has helped out the community for the last 30 years with firefighting and I just think it'd be nice if the community could come together and help them out in a time of need. While Mowat is humbled by the support, so much here is simply priceless. But at the end of the day, he knows firsthand it
10: could have been much worse. My priority is my family and my, everybody else is safe and we'll deal with it afterwards. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
1: Fears America is reversing course in its COVID fight. There is a real potential
11: for the epidemic curve to soar again.
1: An alarming uptick in numbers and new research suggesting hundreds of thousands of deaths could have been avoided with a better pandemic response. Plus, when her stolen bike was recovered, how she paid it forward to help other kids like her. It's a bit of a mess here in Surrey. Crews are on scene to a crash southbound King George Boulevard is blocked at 100th Avenue. Take 140th or 132nd as alternate routes. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in Surrey. A demonstration showing solidarity with the hundreds of thousands of farmers who've been camped out on Delhi border roads in India for months now is getting underway in downtown Vancouver. That's where we find our Ramina Day. Tonight, Ramina, it's a sleep out in support of those who are taking a stand in India against those
7: new farming laws. Yeah, so the organizers are telling us that their brothers and sisters in India have been sleeping out on those roads that you mentioned for more than 100 plus nights now, over three months in a fight for their survival. So they say the least that they can do is sacrifice one evening. So they're just getting going here at the art gallery. They're going to be taking over the east side of the square. They're setting up pallets and tarps. This is what people will be sleeping on. They're gonna be bringing their own sleeping bags and gear so that they can uh, abide by the COVID rules that are in place. So they've got food set up. That's gonna happen just after nine o'clock. There'll be music as well. They're hoping for at least 100 people to come out here. Now, millions of Indian farmers now have been protesting since November. At least one protester has died. Hundreds have been injured. They say that the new laws brought in by the government without consultation will plunge millions of farming families into bankruptcy. The government is saying, however, that the subsidy system in that country is broken and it has to be fixed. So why should you care? Organizers here say that the chances are if you look in your kitchen, you probably have food from India. And this is also an issue about basic human rights. If we if our parents hadn't like immigrated here or if our grandparents hadn't immigrated here less than like 20 years ago, we would be there. We would be fighting for our livelihood if we were there. So we just feel like we owe it to our roots to and our and our ancestors and our relatives and our friends and family that are that are still in India to speak up for them because they don't have a voice in their government right now. As I said, organizers hoping for 100 people tonight. Uh, There's still time to commit yourself to this if you want. Um, They're gonna be here till uh, around, probably around six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, they said. They'll prepare food in the morning for everyone as well. So uh, there's still time. Back to
1: you. We've seen some pretty strong turnouts for uh, protests in the past, so I imagine we'll see uh, quite a few people there tonight. Ramina, thanks for that. Ramina Dea in downtown Vancouver for us. Well, startling new findings about the United States' response to the COVID-19 crisis showing the number of deaths in the country could have been hundreds of thousands less had public health measures been mandated across the board. Global's Reggie Ducini has
0: the story. After months of success, America is reversing course.
11: If we don't control things now, there is a real potential for the epidemic curve to soar again.
0: Deaths and hospitalizations are ticking up once again, along with daily infections. Across nearly two dozen states and Puerto Rico, cases are on the rise. In some, the increase is more than 20 percent, as in Michigan, where more than 5,000 cases were reported Thursday, and its seven-day average is up by more than
3: 130 percent. Just because the government says something is open doesn't mean it's safe.
0: It's a race between variants and vaccinations. 75% of this country is still vulnerable, despite more people moving about.
7: But An infection anywhere is potentially an infection everywhere.
0: But even with a full dose, risk is still there. In Minnesota, 89 people contracted the virus after being vaccinated. But disease experts caution it's not something to be wary of.
7: These numbers are expected, but it's important to be monitoring this. It's a good reminder that these vaccines are not going to make you um, uh, completely uh, immune to this virus.
0: The cases were mild, but doctors stress masks are still key even with vaccines. Meanwhile, devastating new research shows America could have avoided nearly 400,000 deaths had a more effective public health strategy been implemented last May. The CDC was already recommending masks by then, a measure that faced partisan pushback. Now, with arrows moving in the wrong direction, there's a fear that history could repeat itself.
7: If you start dismissing things that we know that work, we may end up back where we were.
0: The research is an early look at the consequences of delayed action. One in every 600 Americans alive at the beginning of last year has died of COVID-19. And the study shows that faster response and better disease surveillance could limit disastrous impacts in the future. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington.
1: A Vancouver teenager is paying it forward after her special bike was stolen and then recovered. 18-year-old Dahlia Levitt lives with a rare chromosomal abnormality and depends on her special three-wheel bike for freedom, independence and exercise. But a few weeks ago she was devastated when her bike was stolen from her family's backyard. Her parents purchased Dahlia a replacement bike. That's when Vancouver police recovered the stolen bike on the downtown east side. Well, now Dahlia has decided to donate that original bike to the BC Centre for Ability, an organization that has been helping her since she was little.
7: I decided to give this bike to the Centre for Ability.
0: We're honoured um, that she's able to have the kind of life she's had and through all the support she's had through Centre for Ability and
1: the Centre for Ability says it is now working to decide which of its clients will be best served by Dahlia's donated bike. Still to come, soccer clinics bringing skills and much more to Indigenous youth.
11: It just really opens an opportunity for me to help and mentor other kids.
1: The importance of hope and health and how they're keeping up the drills even during the pandemic. And up next, a spectacular show over the West Coast. What it's believed was was responsible for that streak of light. Breaking news, a missing Prince George boy has been found alive. RCMP is confirming now the 12-year-old has been located in a rural area near Hickson, just south of Prince George, just a short time ago. He was located by Quinell Search and Rescue. They say he was cold and hungry with a few bruises but is otherwise OK. He is being assessed by paramedics and will soon be reunited with his family. A major search was launched for the youth when he was reported missing on Wednesday afternoon. So so that missing boy has now been found. Good news. All right, let's move on to the weather forecast now. Kasia Badurka, that looks like a nice sunset. Hey, isn't it beautiful? Crepuscular rays, sunbeams coming
12: down through the uh, through the clouds, mostly cloudy skies at this point, going to an overnight low of... Okay, if you were to look up to the sky yesterday, it was far more clear. Bob took this one from Langley of the nearly full worm moon, which will be fully full on Sunday. If you were to look up today in New West, you'd see... An umbrella flying around in the wind. Is it a sign of things to come? Yes, you'll need that umbrella back because we have a fair amount of rain coming to the south coast and the north coast, especially 74 millimeters of rain to Prince Rupert by Monday, 50 millimeters for inland sections of the north coast. This is by your Saturday evening. And here's how it all unfolds. This is one system. A second system moves in tomorrow morning, bringing us heavier amounts of rain over the north coast. at Seg South bringing us a chance of rain over the south coast tomorrow afternoon. By your Sunday morning, for sure we are looking at a fair amount of precipitation over the south coast inland sections. It's also going to be on the unsettled side. Here is your tomorrow up north, heavier rain over the north coast. This is just a chance of rain for the central interior. It's a pretty good chance. Also the chances there over the Columbia Mountains increasing cloudiness over the south coast, or sorry the central southern interior, and over the south coast we'll just notice that increasing cloudiness and the chance of precipitation. So here is the next few for Metro Vancouver going to be on the stormy side but we recover very quickly on monday your centra windows weather window brought to us by kelly Porget, who has the worm moon at 90 percent with this eagle
1: photo bombing the moon isn't that something interesting and i think the umbrella flying around in the sky was mary poppins oh of course <laughs> <laughs> all right something else that uh, you may have spotted in the sky last night maybe you thought it was an alien spaceship well you wouldn't have been the only one
6: what is that
1: across the pacific northwest from oregon to vancouver island caught this strange sight last night around nine according to the national weather service in seattle it was debris from the spacex falcon 9 rocket burning up in the atmosphere the rocket launched earlier this month and failed to make a deorbit burn upon re-entering the earth's atmosphere Uh, no reports of any debris actually hitting the ground though
12: not
8: wild that's, a, that's cool. a very different satellite debris.
1: It is. Uh, we'll have satellite <laughs> debris later, but what have you got for us first?
8: All right. Uh, Sergio Garcia ended his match today at the Match Play event by pulling an ace out of his sleeve. Even though his sleeves are pretty short, since he's wearing a golf shirt. But just the same, this is the equivalent of a walk-off home run. <laughs>
1: And later, as Squire mentioned, satellite debris. Stay with us. (laughs) All right, Squire, let's get to it.
8: Okay, let's. Um, So there is uh, still some cross-border shopping in the NHL. The Montreal Canadiens traded a third and fifth round draft pick today. Well, draft choices, both of them, to Buffalo for Eric Stahl. Now he's 36. Obviously not the player he once was. However, he should be much happier in Montreal and rejuvenated because he escaped the purgatory that is Buffalo. And he can give some Montreal, Montreal some help at centre as well. Hasn't scored a goal for the Sabres since January 30th, but I'm not sure the Sabres have scored a goal since January 30th either. WHL BC Division back in action tonight. They're playing in Kamloops and Kelowna, Giants and Blazers, Royals and Rockets. Okay, World Golf Championship match play action. Mackenzie Hughes of Canada only needed to tie his match today against Taylor Gooch. This long birdie putt on nine put Hughes up by three. However, 16th hole, Hughes' lead is down to one, but this is a brilliant approach shot. Spins it back, almost dunks it for an eagle. That would clinch it for Hughes. The match did end up in a tie, but he moves on to the final 16. And the man he'll play is Sergio Garcia, who ended his match with Lee Westwood on the fourth playoff hole, I think this was.
0: This is high. This is on a great
8: line. This is on the par three. Westwood hit a nice shot, but Garcia's was slightly better. That's it. It's the walk-off ace for Sergio. Rather impressive, I would say. The uh, UBC women's soccer team and the Vancouver Whitecaps have teamed up to help help teach the game of soccer to Indigenous boys and girls from all over this province. It's been done both in person and also online.
2: Hope and health, two things all kids should have the opportunity to experience. And it's evident by the smiles, it's mission accomplished. Led by UBC women's coach Jesse Simons and in cooperation with the Vancouver Whitecaps, the Hope and Health program provides soccer clinics for Indigenous youth
7: across B.C. We have a huge responsibility understand how many people we could reach, understand the people that we could um, sometimes even change lives to some extent.
0: I think you just need to look on their faces and see the smiling faces and, and just how happy they are and, and appreciative. And I think that that's a big thing and, and they don't know that they're filling our hearts as well. So uh, it's, it's definitely a, a cyclical thing here and it's, uh, it's great to be a part of.
2: Simons has a real personal reason for focusing this program on First Nations. His late brother had a very close connection with the Tsleil-Waututh Nation in North Vancouver. And Jesse not only wanted to keep that connection strong, but knew the importance of a program like this to Indigenous kids.
12: My commitment is about creating safe spaces, culturally safe spaces, Um, psychologically safe spaces for children and families um, to feel connected to one another.
2: Not only have the in-person camps been a huge success, but connecting online to remote areas has made the reach and effect that much greater. During the pandemic, these sessions have been a real savior.
11: Like a lot of people and bands don't have tons of money, so like it's not possible to come down here, but I think it's like a really cool opportunity to do it online.
2: Scarlet Sparrow Felix is the granddaughter of Terry Felix, the first indigenous pro soccer player in North America. He was a white cat back in 1983. She's carrying on the legacy, as are other kids who've benefited from Hope and Health.
11: Whenever Hope and Health would engage with us and come to my community, it was a highlight of my summer. And it just really opens an opportunity for me to help and mentor other
0: kids. I think overall the opportunity to get out, be physically active, to show that everyone's looking out for each other, connected to each other, that's the big thing for me is that everyone's here and here to care for each other.
8: All right, Bianca Andreescu taking on uh, Teresa Martine Silva. This is uh, Andreescu's first match in over a month. A bit rusty early but she did win the first set 7-6. Second set she got an early break and then started getting hold of her ground strokes. And right here, the backhand to the corner cruises to a straight set win and advances to the third round at the Miami Open. Ta-da!
0: That's what I have for you today.
1: Well done, and stand by, Squire. We need you in a few minutes. But first, here's Jordan Armstrong with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan?
0: Sophie, we continue to follow that troubling situation at Strathcona Park, where there was a major fire this afternoon. Plus, we'll have more on the successful end to the search for a missing 12-year-old Prince George boy. He was found late this afternoon near Hickson, which is just north of Quenelle. And two people have been sent to hospital, one of them in critical condition, as a result of a three-vehicle crash in Langley. These stories and more tonight at 11. Sophie? All
1: right, thanks, Jordan. We'll find out what else Squire has been working on today. Satellite debris is next. So, somehow we got talking about ALF during the commercials. You don't have any <laughs> aliens or...
8: I don't think I ever watched ALF. I mean, I knew what it was, but I never never got into it. But I'm getting into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Satellite Debris, we're going to start off with an old favorite from IHOP. <laughs> <laughs>
6: If I go this way, I could pancakes some pancakes, but if I
0: go this way, I could omelette some omelettes. Omelette or pancake. Omelette pancake. Alas, do I pancake or do I omelette? Give me the
10: answer, sir, for! Hey, just go to IHOP. They have all kind of omelettes to come with
2: pancakes. You don't have to choose. Where is this IHOP? It's right there. Oh!
0: You're in trouble.
1: I'm a that Hey, don't leave that horse.
0: I hops omelets
2: omelets omelets come with pancakes, pancakes, pancakes.
1: Is that where you get the rooty, tooty, fresh and fruity or something like that? Is that the. Uh, I don't know. No one actually knows. I'm okay.
12: teen pancake oh, all the way.
8: <laughs> I'm more of a pancake guy myself. Okay. Okay, anyway, um, you want a talking animal. This is as close as I can give you. It's the Sasquatch that loves to sell beef jerky. Here we go.
5: Jack Lynx presents Messing with Sasquatch. Watch this. (laughs) Don't mess with other snacks.
10: Choose Jack jerky made with 100% beef. It's like a giant
8: beaver or something you kicked at him
1: <laughs> or a baby's that his offspring yeah.
8: Yeah, possibly i don't know i don't think it's possible. or it's elf it could be elf he <laughs> <laughs> might have an elf angry elf okay so this um is uh from the star casino in australia you'll recognize the song but it's done much differently
11: jungle
10: we've got fun and games we've got everything you want honey we know the names we are the people that can find whatever you may need if you got the money honey we got your disease in the jungle welcome to the jungle
11: watch it bring it to your The jungle. Welcome to the jungle. Watch it bring you
8: down. And <coughs> the best part about that commercial, don't we all miss those days where you could sit oh. in a crowded room and mm-hmm. you didn't have to worry about With somebody people. else? Yeah.
1: (sighs) Oh, sigh. The good
8: old days, 2019.
1: One day. Mm -hmm. One day soon. (laughs) That's all the time we have. Have a good night, all.